there's a story told of a farmer who was interested in a new car. As he went shopping for that new car, he became very disgusted with the cost of the car and with the um, so-called optional equipment. But he needed the new car. He went ahead and made the purchase anyway. Sometime later, the salesman of the new car came to his farm. And the salesman came to purchase a cow. And uh, so the farmer showed him several cows, helped him decide on the particular one that he needed to fit his needs. And, And then scribbling on a piece of paper, the farmer gave him an itemized bill. Basic cow, $200. Two-tone exterior, $45. Extra stomach, $75. Product storage compartment, $60. Dispensing device, four spigots at $10 each, $40. Genuine cowhide upholstery, $125. Automatic fly swatter, $35. Dual horns, $15. Total excluding tax and delivery, $595. Oh, boy. Optional equipment, eh? (laughs) Well, you know, our last time together, we noted that God's children must clothe themselves with the Christ-like characteristics of compassion and kindness and humility and meekness. And like the so-called optional equipment on the cow, (laughs) that's not optional equipment for the believer. You know, that's required. I don't ever want you to forget that these Christ-like characteristics are not optional equipment, okay? These are not optional for the believer. These are a must. We need these. We're commanded to have these. It's required equipment. It comes with being a follower of Christ. But unlike the farmer's listing of the optional equipment on the cow, and though the fellow who purchased the cow had no choice to take the optional, so-called optional equipment, Unlike that, that comes by nature, that equipment that comes on the cow by nature, this does not come naturally for us as believers. These characteristics of Christ's likeness do not come naturally. Now, we have the new man and we have the Holy Spirit working within to help us have these and obtain them and to, and to practice these things. But they don't come naturally, do they? You might be able to attest to that. Yes, I struggle with some of these areas. But that's why Paul compares it to a wardrobe that we, we must take measures to put, put, put on, to, to be intentional about putting these things on. We're told to put on compassion, right? He wouldn't tell us to put something on if it came naturally. Put on compassion. We're told to put on kindness. We're told to put on humility and put on meekness. Believers are to clothe themselves as intentionally as we put our clothing on in the mornings, right? As intentionally as we clothe ourselves for a Sunday morning worship service. We're to clothe ourselves with these characteristics of Christ's likeness, with these spiritual garments that define who we are as God's people. As you may have noticed last week, we're not finished with the spiritual wardrobe that Paul instructs the Colossian believers to put on. Let's go to our passage for a reminder. We're in Colossians chapter 3. And verses 12 through 14, let's go to our passage for a reminder of the instruction that the Lord gives through Paul writing to the Colossian believers and for all believers. Let's be reminded of the Lord's instruction through Paul's writing here 
Colossians chapter 3. Follow along as I read verses 12 through 14 again. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I want you to remember that this is a description of the believer's spiritual clothing. This is how we are to daily clothe ourselves. Remember, too, that there's a natural barrier to putting on this Christ-like clothing As you think about that, I want to stop right here and pause for a moment of prayer and ask for the Lord's wisdom and direction this morning as we examine the Scriptures together to remember that we need His help in putting these things on. Don't ever forget that. Sometimes you're going to feel discouraged and defeated. Don't ever forget. You need the Lord's help. Let's yield to Him now. Let's go to Him now. Father in Heaven, we pray as we study Your Word this morning, as we read here about this Christ-likeness that we are to put on, Lord, help us. We... We are by nature a fallen people, a sinful people. But when we yield to you, you give us the new man. You give us the Holy Spirit to work within, helping us put on this Christ-like attire. Lord, help us to obey your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We noted last week that clothing ourselves with compassion clothing ourselves with kindness and and humility and meekness is going to require that we become deliberate in doing so, being intentional. That's also true of each of the spiritual traits that we're going to look at today. You saw some more here as we looked at verses 12 and 13 and 14. We have to be intentional about putting these on. We have to be deliberate about making these, uh, these pieces of clothing ours, these spiritual clothing ours. Putting these on daily are going to require some deliberate action on our part. And Paul emphasizes that we must take action and put these on. Be deliberate. Be intentional. And the reason that we must be deliberate is because we, you know, we've hinted at it already. We aren't naturally inclined to do so. We aren't. This requires putting others first. We aren't naturally inclined to put others first, are we? That's why we need the mind of Christ. That's why you and I need the mind of Christ. We need to develop the thinking that Jesus Christ had. That's why we need the mind of Christ. We need a different way of thinking to truly put others ahead of self. We need the mind of Christ to have this truly others-oriented compassion that we're talking about here. And the primary means for putting on this spiritual clothing will be first having the mind of Christ. And Paul illustrates the kind of thinking that we must learn from Christ in Philippians chapter 2. I'd like you to just keep your finger here in Colossians and go back with me. We looked at it last week. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, just as a reminder of the thinking that Christ had and how Christ thought and what drove him to sacrifice for us. Having the mind of Christ is critical if we're going to put on this Christ like attire, okay? So look with me at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, or have this same attitude, okay? Have this attitude, have this same mind, 
have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There's a reminder that we need the Lord's help, don't we? And that's why we pray and ask for His help. This is yours in Christ Jesus. It's only because of Christ that we can have the mind of Christ. Verse 6, Who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Have this mind, that servant attitude, that servant mind that Jesus demonstrated, that self-humility, that humbling, that Christ humbled Himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ modeled humility and meekness for us by His surrender He modeled His humility and meekness for us by His servanthood. And ultimately modeled it by His sacrifice. We're going to talk about that passage tonight. I want to encourage you to come back tonight as we talk about this particular passage in Philippians because this is one that we ought to have forever in our our minds, constantly, continually thinking about what did Christ do? What was Christ thinking? How How did He sacrifice for me? So we'll come back to this Philippians passage tonight. I want to encourage you to be here for that. But we must put on the same mind or the same attitude that Christ had when He humbled Himself and surrendered Himself and served us to the point of death as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, I'm not going to tell you something you don't already know, but I fall terribly short of the mind of Christ. How about you? Do you fall terribly short of the mind of Christ? I'm, I'm guessing we all likely fall short. I fall terribly short. I don't know about you, but I fall terribly short. But we all likely fall short of the mind of Christ. We all could grow in this area. But what's important isn't whether we fall short. You know, as long as we live, we're going to likely not be perfect in every way. What's important is that we are growing And we are becoming day by day more Christ-like. It's not important that we fall short. What is important is that we make progress. We must be growing. Are we growing in Christ-likeness? We need to examine our own hearts for that. We need to examine our own lives for that. Not the life of our neighbor. That's easy to do, isn't it? We need to examine our own hearts to know whether we are truly growing in Christ-likeness. And how do we know if we're growing in our own walk with Christ? I'd like for you to see today what a believer looks like who is gaining the mind of Christ. These are some things that will be evident in your life if you are gaining the mind of Christ. And it's the mind of Christ that you need to practice these things faithfully. But these ought to be helpful to you in helping you see as to whether you are coming close to beginning to put on the mind of Christ and have the mind of Christ as you live for Him. Let's look at what Paul's next words are in verse 12. We stopped just before the end of verse 12 last week. Verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So what's next for us? If we're putting on the spiritual wardrobe of compassion, kindness, humility, and meekness, what do we need next? Patience, right? 
We need patience. That's number one. We need patience. And we need it now. Right? Lord, help me to be patient. Right now, help me to be patient. Quick, Lord, I need to be patient. Oh, boy, that's fun. Do you ever pray that? Somebody says, don't ever pray for patience. (laughs) Because the Lord will help you learn how to be patient, right? But really, you know, our need it now mentality in this life illustrates for us vividly why we need patience. Now, how about when you're having a difficulty with another individual? Boy, you want resolution right now and you want them to come 100% your way and, you know, confess their wrong and make everything right. And you want it now, right? We need patience. Let's not forget, though, God's patience toward us. Don't ever forget the Lord's patience with you. I don't ever want to forget the Lord's patience with me. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Don't ever forget God's forbearance and kindness and patience with you. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Don't ever forget the patience and grace that God has shown you. Don't ever forget the patience and grace of God with you. And because of His patience with you and me, His children are commanded to be patient with others. If you're a child of God, you're commanded to be patient with others. Because of His patience with you, we had better be patient with others. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 says, And we urge you, brothers, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Oh, how many times do we need to be patient with one another? Probably fairly often, right? Be patient. And note this from a Radio Bible Class publication. They say to to those Christians who are always in a hurry, here's some good advice from the 19th century preacher A.B. Simpson who said, Beloved, have you ever thought that someday you will not have anything to try you? And you're like, any day now. Have you ever thought that you'll not have anything to try you or anyone to vex you again? There will be no opportunity in heaven to learn or to show the spirit of patience, forbearance, and long-suffering. If you are to practice these things, it must be now. That's a great point, isn't it? We're not trying to put these things on for some future time. We need them now, don't we? They go on to say, yes, each day affords countless opportunities to learn patience. Let's not waste them. Commenting on our need for this virtue, M.H. Lount has said, God, God's, best, uh, God's best gifts come slowly. God's best gifts come slowly. We could not use them if they did not. Many a man could of, uh, uh, many a man called of God to a work in which he is pouring out his life is convinced that the Lord means to bring his efforts to a successful conclusion. 
Nevertheless, even such a confident worker grows discouraged at times and worries because results do not come as rapidly as he would desire. But growth and strength in waiting are results often greater are results often greater than the end so impatiently longed for. Hmm. Why? Moses must have asked, why? Many times during the delays in Midian and in the wilderness, Jesus himself experienced the discipline of delay in his silent years before his great public ministry began. God wants us to see results as we work for him, but his first concern is our growth. That's why he often withholds success until we have learned patience. The Lord teaches us this needed lesson through the blessed discipline of delay. Hmm. Patience. You know, when serving others, when showing compassion, when showing kindness with humility and meekness, what's that going to take? It's going to take patience, isn't it? In the Greek, the thought is bear with or, or bear with and forgive. It means that when we're growing in Christ's likeness and with the mind of Christ showing patience toward others, we're going to be willing to bear with those who rub us the wrong way, bear with those who may have done us harm, and patiently bear with them. And be willing to forgive them. We're going to talk about that in a moment. We must be a people who are growing into humility and weakness. If we're going to be able to show compassion and kindness to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to all the people that we come in contact with, we need to be growing into these things. And we need to deliberately be putting them on. There may be times in your future when you have to stop and say, Lord... I can't be patient here. I need your help. Help me to be patient with this person. Help me to be patient in this circumstance. And you know, something that challenges my heart is that if, if I'm struggling in, in the area of patience, and you know, I challenge you this morning, if you're struggling in this area of patience, then you're probably struggling in the previous four areas of compassion and kindness and humility and weakness also. True? Well, we need the patience. And oh, how we need it now, don't we? And we need to put on the Christ-like garment of patience. Here's number two. We also need to clothe ourselves with forbearance. We need to put on the Christ-like garment of forbearance. Paul continues in verse 13. Look at it again with me in verse 13. Bearing with one another. Forbearance. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Bearing with or forbearance, it carries with it the idea also of the same one we were just looking at. Patience, right? Forbearance takes patience. Bear with that person. Bear with that one who even has harmed you. Endure with patience people who have done a wrong to you and do so to the point of forgiveness because that is the point. Be patient with them. Bear with them. 
And mind you, don't ever forget God's patience with you, right? We must clothe ourselves with forbearance, Paul says. And in number three, we're also to put on the Christ-like clothing of forgiveness. Forgive. Not only are we to clothe ourselves with patience and forbearance, but doing so should lead us to forgive. You see, the idea isn't just to be patient with someone and hold that grudge. Because you could do that. No, I can be patient with them. I'll just act like nothing's wrong. But I'll never, I'll never forget what they did to me. The idea is to be patient with them. Allowing the Lord to do a work in their hearts and minds. Helping them to see how they need to change and be more Christ-like. You look at yourself and how, how you need to change and be more Christ-like. And you be patient with them and you forbear and you forgive. God has forgiven you. God has forgiven me a great debt. You see, not only are we to clothe ourselves with this patience and forbearance, but we're to, we're to do so, and that should lead to forgiveness. Paul instructs believers that to follow Christ means because of God's forgiveness toward you, you also must forgive. We talked about that a bit this morning in our Sunday school lesson about Jesus' instruction about forgiveness. Listen. If we're failing to forgive others, if we refuse to forgive others, what does God's Word say? Hmm. You don't have my forgiveness, says God. You don't have my forgiveness. If you fail to forgive others, you don't have my forgiveness. You must forgive. It would be like me harboring something someone has done to me and harboring, harboring ill feelings for them, a refusal to forgive. And then me speaking out of turn to my wife and saying something that was inappropriate or harmful in words and then confess that to the Lord. Lord, please forgive me for speaking harmfully to my wife and asking for her forgiveness. And yet I'm holding a grudge against someone else. I refuse to forgive. God says, "Uh uh-uh. Don't come to me and ask for forgiveness if you refuse to forgive your neighbor. Hmm. And fourthly, the wardrobe is made complete. And this is... And this is very important. The wardrobe is made complete and all brought together with love. Verse 14 says, And above all these, put on love. Above all these, put on love. Now this is agape love. That means that this is a willing and sacrificial kind of love. You might have to sacrifice to love the unlovable. You will have to sacrifice to love that person who refuses to be at peace with you. This really should be a defining characteristic of all Christians. And when we look back over the believer's spiritual wardrobe, we should see that all the pieces of that wardrobe are an outworking of love. A love for people. But none of this is instantaneous for us, is it? None of it comes overnight, does it? But it comes as we fellowship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence, and as we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin in our own hearts and confess that to God, and He grows us in Christ's likeness. That's why 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into 
the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Tell you what, you better partner with the Holy Spirit at work within you in bringing this Christ likeness to be in, in your life. And as He changes you from the inside out, it's as if, like 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, Beholding the glory of the Lord being transformed into, into the same image from one degree of glory to another, making you more and more and more Christ-like day by day. Listen, if everybody were perfect, wouldn't it be much easier to get along, Right? If everybody's perfect, let's just be perfect, okay? We'll just get along. The only problem is, is my definition of perfect is very different from your definition of perfect, right? We're all, we all want to be perfect in a way, but it's like we all got a different definition of perfect. And if we were all perfect, it'd be so much easier. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen world that's full of sinful people, just like us. And we often experience friction in our relationships with others. That is why we need to clothe ourselves with patience and forbearance and forgiveness and love. And we're not perfect. And the other people around us aren't perfect. And we are all works in progress. And we need to remember that. Don't ever forget that God intends to do a work day by day conforming you into His likeness. It doesn't happen overnight with you. And it doesn't happen overnight with your neighbor either, does it? Let me ask you this morning, do you want to work with God and not against God? Do you want to work with Him and not against Him and His purpose for your life? Do you want to work with God and be a part of what God wants to do in Higgins Lake Baptist Church and in this community? Do you want to be a part of that and not against that? If you do, then work toward harmony with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's got to begin with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Work toward harmony with them. Put on the Christ-like wardrobe of compassion, kindness, meekness, patience, forbearance, and forgiveness, and be certain that it's all rooted in and brought together in love. That's really the foundation. It's interesting that Paul puts it last, but I think he put it there for effect so we wouldn't forget that it's all rooted in love. Don't ever forget that Jesus Christ has made this all possible by His sacrifice for our sins. You cannot love your neighbor as you should without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ paying for your sins. We would do well, I think, to constantly... And always keep the cross of Christ at the forefront of our thinking. Always remembering what Jesus Christ suffered for your sins and my sins. Robbie Zacharias notes that once you take these three steps, allow God, first of all, to make your heart tender. Secondly, strengthen your mind through faith. And thirdly, make the cross the aortic nerve of your life. The results follow. You see God's pattern in you and become the instrument of consolation for those who hurt. I think that's a, an extremely important thought about making the cross of Christ the aortic nerve of your life. Don't ever forget what Jesus Christ suffered for you. It'll help. It'll help you be patient. It'll help you to forbear. It'll help you to show love to people. 
Make the cross the aortic nerve of your life. Keep the cross ever present in your thinking. Why? Well, because I think as John Piper says, the love of God is supremely manifest in the death of His Son. The love of God is supremely manifest in the death of His Son. And when you begin to struggle with having the love that you should have for other people, you should go back and think about the cross and how God showed His love for you there. The love of God is supremely manifest and shown to us in the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. Never forget that Christ's sacrifice demonstrates for us the kind of wardrobe that we are to put on. And we're to put that on toward other people. It will benefit us. But that kind of spiritual wardrobe that Jesus Christ demonstrated is to be put on for the sake of others. You see, God has demonstrated the depth of His love for us by giving His Son for our sins. How deep the Father's love for us. There are two familiar passages of Scripture that I want to remind you with this morning. And I would encourage you to note these inside the cover of your Bible so that you can have them handy for future reference because these are important verses that help you remember the cross. Help you remember what Jesus Christ suffered for you so that you could suffer for His name, for God's glory, loving people as we should. Let's think about Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. That's the first one, Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 2. Very simple verse. Hide it in your heart. Hide it in your mind if you haven't already. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is what drove Jesus Christ to bear our burdens. His attitude, His mind was that He loved us so much that He would suffer for our sins so that we would not have to. And don't ever forget as you seek to put on the spiritual wardrobe of sacrifice, Romans 5.8. That's the second passage. I don't want you to forget Romans 5.8. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's your example. That's my example. That's the example I need to put on this Christ-like wardrobe. That's the example you need to put on this Christ-like wardrobe. To sum it up very simply, He gave it all. He gave it all. How could you give anything more than your life? And we're called to put on the mind of Christ. And in so doing, put on these spiritual garments that reflect a Christ-like attitude toward people. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we gather together to worship you this morning, I pray that our worship has been a joy to your ears, blessing, honoring to you. But Lord, as we've studied your word, I pray that our heart's attitudes have also been honoring to you. Not just the words that we've sung, but the thoughts that we've thought as we've looked at your word together this morning. Lord, I pray that it's challenged us toward Christ's likeness. Lord, help us to never, never stop bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ. Lord, help us 
to realize that you show your love for us in that as unregenerate as we are and were, as undeserving as we were, before we knew you as Lord and Savior, before we confessed our sin, before we came to an understanding, before we ever were, before we ever came to that understanding of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for our sins, we, we were blessed with this love of Christ. That, that Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, help us to never forget the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we, as your people, be unloving to one another? Lord, how could we, as your people, be unloving to those who need a Savior? Lord, help us to grow in Christ-likeness and putting on these spiritual garments. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.